Hello, everyone. This is Patriot Underground here. Now, before we start the show, I just want to say a quick word on behalf of Patriot Underground Gold and PatriotUndergroundSilver.com. You folks have heard me talk a lot about rolling over your 401k and your IRA into precious metals. We all know that the dollar is on its way out. De-dollarization is here. The BRICs are spearheading this effort. Now is the time to make these moves, folks. Click the link in the description and my team will contact you and explain how easy it is. And this will be the best financial decision you've ever made. I am not a financial analyst myself, but quite frankly, you don't have to be to see the direction that things are going in the world. We have a narrow opportunity to protect and secure the wealth that we've earned our entire lives. It's time to de-dollarize yourself and put your savings into precious metals. It's a no-brainer, folks. Click the link in the description, like I said, and you will be happy you did. All right, everybody, enjoy the show. Patriot out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Patriot Underground. Today is November 4th, 2023. Thank you so much for joining me, folks, to discover the truth beneath the surface. As always, I really do appreciate everybody out there taking the time to listen. So today I'm going to provide a situation update. Oh, yeah, this is what I look like without a hat on, just in case folks are wondering. I do actually have hair, but I like to wear hats. Um, but anyways, I uh, thought that I would just uh, mention that up front because I got a few questions about that. Uh, but anyway, um, here I am on camera. I'm going to do a situation update today. Uh, there's a lot going on in the world. I'm going to basically take you through uh, some financial developments. I'm going to actually start off with a little slideshow that I put together on uh, the credit crunch that we're experiencing right now. And then we're going to talk about some geopolitical developments, what's been happening as far as uh, Israel and Gaza we're going to talk about the whole scenario. So hopefully this will be a good one today, folks. Why don't we just dive right in? Now, as I mentioned, I made a little bit of a presentation to take you through what I think is some pretty significant information on the financial front. So let me go ahead and share a screen here. I'm going to take you guys into Keynote, and we are going to talk about this catch-22 of the Federal Reserve. And uh, what does that really mean? Well, basically, everybody knows that a catch-22 is a scenario that you can't really figure out a way out of. I mean, you go one direction, you go another direction, you go a third direction, you go a fourth direction. No matter what you try to do to pull a rabbit out of the hat, it's not going to work. It's going to end up with the same basic end result. And this is all hinging on this credit contraction crisis. And I'm going to provide a little bit of analysis on that. So let's just dive right in. Now, SG Anon posted this graph on his uh, Truth Social account, and I actually shared it on Telegram. And by the way, Every time I share something from SG's Telegram, I get comments saying it's not the real SG. I understand that, folks. I always cross-reference everything that shows up on that Telegram account with his true social to make sure he actually posted it. But just wanted to throw that out there. And by the way, uh, I'm going to have SG on the show tomorrow. He had to reschedule. We were going to be uh, doing a meeting. I think it was scheduled for 7 o'clock last night, but we had to reschedule that and uh, it's actually going to be on the 5th of November, which I think is kind of fitting. Remember, remember the 5th of November. So I'll have SG on the program tomorrow, and undoubtedly we'll talk about some of these issues. But let's just break this down. Now, what is a credit crunch or a credit contraction? Well, essentially, put it in, in the simplest terms, it's a sudden reduction in the availability of credit. It's a sudden unwillingness or uh, you, you could say more strict guidelines getting implemented in order to get a loan. So basically credit starts to dry up. And this is what we're seeing. And if you look at this graph right here, you can see that currently we're experiencing a sharp drop in bank credit. And this is all commercial banks. This is put out by Game of Trades. And this only happened during the financial crisis of 2008. 
So obviously, this is an indicator of a weak economy that is seeking correction. So what's really going on, and we've been talking about a lot of these different issues, but basically, as the interest rates continue to climb, the lending guidelines, like I say, they become more strict and higher interest rates reduce the amount of currency in circulation. So what does that really mean? Well, this basically means that borrower default becomes more likely under these circumstances, under these conditions. And also, of course, there's the role of inflation. And inflation occurs when there's too much money in circulation relative to the available goods and services. And so this causes prices to rise and the purchasing power of the dollar to erode and decrease over time. And this problem, of course, is also made worse or exacerbated by wages not keeping up with inflation. So the end result, of course, is lower living standards. We know that the living standards of pretty much everyone in America has gradually declined over several decades, and not just in America, basically all throughout the world. And of course, there's also the increased risk of a borrower default. And so raising interest rates is the Federal Reserve's attempt to get inflation under control. And this is all about trying to stabilize the U.S. dollar. And then, of course, there's also another layer added on top of this, and this has to do with derivative exposure. And so going back to 2008, all right, this credit contraction, that graph that I just showed you, this risk, same way we saw in 2008, it's ultimately an indicator of insolvency and not just of the big Wall Street banks, but also really at, at, a, at a higher level of the Federal Reserve itself. So what's happening is, is that because of this derivative exposure, and primarily it has to do with petrodollar derivatives, and I'm not going to get too deep into that, but essentially I, I am going to uh, discuss what a derivative means in just a moment for those who don't know. But because of this problem, because of the derivative exposure, which is indeed a barometer of insolvency, the Federal Reserve really at the top of the pyramid, and then, of course, trickling down to all the, the big Wall Street banks and then all the other banks, all the regional banks and so forth, can no longer engage in lending due to their own insolvency. And this really is all about making that connection between their underlying liabilities. And the biggest one, of course, are derivatives. Now, what is a derivative? Well, as you can see, it's a financial contract that's between two or more parties and it derives, that's that's where the, the derivative term comes from, the root of that word, it derives its value from an asset which is priced based upon speculation of fluctuation in that asset. And so basically this can be used to leverage or to hedge a position and to leverage basically means to maximize a position and to hedge means to basically put up a defense around your investment. So this has been going on. And, and by the way, there are many, many different kinds of derivatives. It's very complex uh, in order to really fully describe what it means without a vast knowledge of, um, I guess you could say, a sort of prerequisite of knowledge of all these different financial terms. I'm trying to keep it in the simplest possible framework for people to understand. And then, of course, we've also got BRICS going on in the background, this, this whole de-dollarization initiative. And so in addition to this derivative exposure that, of course, we're tying basically what happened in 2008 to what's currently playing out now, the Fed has an even bigger problem. And that is, of course, the BRICS trade union, the de-dollarization agenda. We've been talking about this for months. And so 
how does this tie into the treasury bonds? How does this tie into the treasury bills being rejected at U.S. ports? Well, as you can see, the dumping of these treasury bonds and the rejection of treasury bills at our ports, specifically on the West Coast, which is why we have that whole armada of ships out there, has increased the risk of default of the U.S. government on its debt. And keep in mind that that debt is owned primarily by foreign entities. So de-dollarization and default, more money needs to be printed because the Federal Reserve, I mean, if they can't sell treasury bonds to foreign entities or even to domestic entities because they don't want them, they recognize them as toxic, the only way for the U.S. government to fund its debt is to continually print money. And so that's exactly what they've been doing. They have to cover their obligations. They have to make sure that their system remains propped up. And like I talked about a little while ago, this risk of default trickles down from the Fed to all of its different lending institutions. And so that kind of brings me to the Fed's catch-22. They need to fund the debt, but they can't find anybody who's interested in buying treasury bonds. They can't find any buyers. And so they print money, and that leads to inflation, which is a default risk. And then in order to get inflation under control, they jack up interest rates, which is exactly what they're doing right now. And it's causing this credit crunch. It's causing all of the banks to tighten up all of their regulations and their guidelines and basically not lend out any more money because they can't. They don't have the money to lend out. But then what happens is when you raise interest rates and you make capital much more difficult to come by, what inevitably happens is you get people not spending as much money. There's less money in circulation, which means there's less tax revenue. And that, of course, also leads to a default risk. So regardless of which direction they go, we're headed toward an economic collapse. It's imminent. And so if they print fiat money, just to put it really simply, if they print fiat money, it causes inflation. And that increases the risk of default. And if they raise interest rates to stem inflation, it causes economic stagnation. So less tax revenue equals an increased default risk. And then another element to add on top of all of this are the existing barometers of insolvency. They can't continue in lending because they're already insolvent. They've got derivative exposure, massive derivative exposure. You've got JP Morgan and Wells Fargo and Bank of America. They've all halted new acquisitions. I think it was Wells Fargo that sold their gem, their primary physical property. I can't remember where it was. I think Jim Willie uh, talked about that recently, but they sold off an office building, which is one of their primary assets in order to cover their bases, in order to cover their debts. All of these big banks are bleeding out right now. You might even say that some of them are already bankrupt behind the scenes. Now, we can't actually prove that, but certainly there is a lot of evidence that points in that direction. And we also know that the illicit revenue streams have dried up massively due to the war in Ukraine and, of course, all of the covert operations that have been ongoing these past few years to take down the money laundering institutions. And in terms of Ukraine, a money laundering institution and a bank were kind of synonymous. So basically, they've, they've cut that off. They haven't completely stopped it because under Kiev, there are massive tunnels. There's, and of course, under Israel as well. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But 
they've got massive tunnels underneath Kiev, adrenochrome farms, baby farms, organ harvesting. I mean, all different types of evil. So it's not as if all of this has been completely brought to an end, but the fact that they've taken key cities like Bakhmut and Kharkov and they've encircled Kiev in essence. So as a result, all of that illicit revenue, all those, you know, streams that they kept on the side, unbeknownst to the public, or I should say beneath the surface, to prop this system up are drying up. So they've got a massive problem. And then, of course, there's the topic of the exchange stabilization fund. And this is something that I know that every time uh, this comes up when I'm having a conversation with Jim, he just mentions it and then he moves on. I do have some information about the exchange stabilization fund that at this point, I'm not really comfortable putting out there because I know it's a very dangerous topic. Uh, but suffice to say, the Federal Reserve is using the ESF or the exchange stabilization fund to keep the system propped up. So they've got this massive, they've got these massive holes of derivative exposure. They've got their illicit revenue streams drying up. And so a lot of people are kind of scratching their head and going, all right, well, you know, if the alliance has seized all of these assets and they've taken down so much of their infrastructure, where's all of this money coming from that's keeping the system afloat? Well, it's the ESF, the Exchange Stabilization Fund. And my understanding is we're talking about in the double digit trillions. And this was primarily revenue that was. Well, I'm actually I'm not going to get into that because then I think it might it might lead me in a direction where I don't want to go down because I haven't really been. Um, given the okay to talk about these things uh, as openly as I could, but let's just say that they've got this this money, and this is what they're using at this point to continue to fight the war. All right, now they've still got some of their illicit revenue streams. It's not as if all of this is dried up, but the ESF is really what what's keeping things afloat right now, folks. And so all of this is leading to what's called an inflationary depression which is kind of a paradoxical term. So let's talk about what that means. Inflationary, when we're talking about inflation and we've been talking about what that really means, I mean, it's basically having too much in circulation. And depression is sort of the opposite of that is when you have too little. So it seems almost like a paradox. How could that be? Well, basically, the way that I put it, as you can see on your screen, and hopefully these notes are helpful for people, but an inflationary depression, it occurs when a country's economic output, so basically everything that they are exporting, is decreased, while at the same time, the value or the purchasing power of the currency drops as the result of having too much of this fake fiat currency in circulation. And so that's essentially depression. So if you take those two terms and you put them together, that's exactly what's happening. We don't make anything anymore. Our output has been systematically shipped overseas for decades, all by design. This is all economic warfare. So we basically become like an importing and service-based economy. And so we have a depression in that sense because our output has decreased massively. And at the same time, the purchasing power of our dollar has been eroded to the point where basically Everybody out there knows wages don't keep up with inflation. And so this is what is called an inflationary depression. And this is exactly where we're headed. And it's also worth pointing out that this is not an organic event. This is not something that just happens. I mean, sure, 
in economic cycles, there are always inflationary periods. There are always recessions. That's healthy. But this scenario that we find ourselves in, this, this, this abyss, this cliff that we're about to fall off, this is something that doesn't happen organically. It's the result of printing money and circulating money that has no real value, that's not really backed by anything. And as folks know, back in 1971, we were taken off the gold standard. So let's just kind of sum up what's going on here and all of the information that I just presented. The Fed is trying to get inflation under control. And inflation has spiraled due to the BRICS de-dollarization movement and the dumping of treasury bonds. Nobody wants our debt. It's toxic. And the U.S. Treasury bond is ultimately what funds our debt. So that's a major problem. So that means they've got to continue to print money to meet our obligations. And at the same time, in order to address the inflationary issue that they're causing, they're hiking up interest rates and they're attempting to prevent all this extra money that they're printing to cover our obligations to try to meet the basic obligations of our debt, not even to come close to paying off the principal, but just, just the interest. They have to prevent all of that money, or at least they're trying to prevent that money that they're printing from going into circulation and causing hyperinflation. Because when hyperinflation happens, then you get a real problem on your hands. And of course, there's the psychological element of panic and so forth, where people just get their money and they're just, they can't spend it fast enough because they're terrified that in a couple of days, it's going to be worth 50% less or 75% less. And that's what causes economic collapse, or one of the factors that can cause it. So additionally, we've got the isolation of the U.S. dollar and the dumping of treasury bonds that's increased the default risk on our national debt, which, as I pointed out, is primarily foreign owned, mostly by the CCP. So that default risk trickles down to its lending institutions who incur a higher risk of borrower default because less currency is in circulation. At the same time that the cost of living, the cost of goods and services is continuing to increase quite dramatically, as we've seen. And so that's a major problem. And then on top of that, there are the indicators of insolvency of the big banks themselves, particularly in the form of derivative exposure, like we talked about, which only increases the risk of loaning additional money. So what are the takeaways here? What does this all amount to? Well, folks... The fiat dollar is trapped in a no-win situation. The U.S. government can't fund its debt. So whether by hyperinflation, which I just mentioned a moment ago, which is basically just printing money into oblivion and then ultimately having the public catch on that the dollar or whatever the currency is has no real value. I mean, whether it's by way of that or whether it's by way of higher interest rates that create this scarcity of capital that cause such a degree of economic stagnation that the system basically just falls apart. But one way or another, a massive collapse is imminent. And we talked about the ESF. We talked about the illicit funds. These safeguards, see right now, they've got both of those as their safeguards, but they're being eaten up with every passing day. They're not taking in the amount of revenue that they used to. So what happens when they can't actually pay off their goons? What happens when they can't continually bribe people? What happens when all of their financial resources dry up? 
ESF is a massive fund. Don't get me wrong. But sooner or later, I mean, this has been ongoing now for years, as we know. Remember Trump back in 2020 with Mnuchin, they rolled the Federal Reserve into the Treasury. And so this has been a an ongoing war, financial war. And the cabal has been using what's left of their illicit funds and certainly what they can still generate amidst all the white hat kinetic action to take out all of their infrastructure and then using the ESF as well, these funds, but they're drying up, they're eroding. So they've got a major problem. All of the walls are closing in on them. And of course, like Trump says, the rigged stock market, it's what he calls it, it's directly pegged to the fiat dollar. And so it's going to collapse. The whole system is going to collapse. And we're expecting that to come in the form of some sort of a major black swan event. When is that going to happen? Well, certainly there's discussions that can be had on that topic. I can do an entire show speculating on that. But certainly I think we're talking about within the next several months. It could be sometime in 2024. Some people think it could be this month in November. We'll have to wait and see. But certainly I think that we are in the final phases. I've made it very clear that this whole situation is not sustainable. We all know that. And certainly not sustainable past, well, I'll just say up to and beyond the 2024 election. So what's the solution? What, what can we do? Now, obviously, I've been talking a lot to folks about gold and silver. Gold and silver destroys the Fed. You probably heard X-22 use that phrase. I certainly agree. And this is why they continually suppress the price and they manipulate the supply levels of precious metals, particularly gold and silver, because they know that this will destroy their debt fiat prison economy. And this is why the White Hats are bringing back constitutional currency, gold and silver. And we're going to talk a little bit about the return to the republic in a different context tonight. And I think we're, we're seeing even more evidence that that's the direction we're headed. But we'll get to that. Now, BRICS, as we know, is leading the de-dollarization strategy worldwide. We've got this attempt at World War III in Israel that has obviously many, many different objectives to it, but not the least of which is to disrupt and derail the unity of the BRICS member nations. And on a recent episode, I talked about how you've got a, a naturally occurring divide, an organic divide, you might even say, in the Islamic world between the Sunni and the Shiite. And how Iran and Ayatollah Khomeini being a CIA asset was put in place in order to ensure that there was going to be constant chaos in the same way that Israel created Hamas, in the same way that Hezbollah was created. This was all done by the deep state in order to ensure that there was going to be continual war in the Middle East and ultimately lead up to the big one that Albert Pike wrote about, World War III, that is intended to wipe out the Islamic people. And in essence, basically, the, the Jews at the same time, the West, I mean, to wipe out everyone. The cabal isn't interested in sparing any lives other than their own and maybe a small percentage, 10%, that they can enslave. That's what they're all about. So World War III was intended to, to emanate from Israel. Iran was to be a major player in that. And I'm going to talk about Iran's restraint 
in a little while because I think this is really important. We just saw a rally the other day with the head of um, Hezbollah. I think his name's Nasrallah. I can't remember exactly, but uh, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. So this World War III attempt in Israel is seeking to derail the unity of the Islamic world. We talked about how Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates and Iran had basically put aside their differences. They put a stop to the Yemen war. Of course, the Houthi rebels are now fighting actively against Israel. And that's kind of a, you know, a conversation in and of itself. There's a lot of fog of war surrounding uh, Iran. And certainly I think there are patriots within Iran and there are certainly deep state elements within Iran, just like any other country. But we'll, we'll dig into that more in just a moment. But in essence, the idea was to derail this economic unity. They were putting aside all of their differences. They were working together to de-dollarize. And the U.S. military has always been in the business, at least from the deep state perspective. There's always been the patriotic side, and then there's been the deep state side, the divided military. That's a key theme of tonight's show. But the deep state aligned units of the military, let's just say, or portions of the military, their main function has always been, whether they realize it or not, to protect the king dollar, to insulate the dollar. That's the cabal's world reserve currency. They don't want to see that go away. They're not going to just allow that to happen. And of course, that's a big part of what this war is all about. Now, we know that eventually, when we get to the EBS point and we see the reversal event happen and the introduction of the quantum financial system and Nasara and Jasara, which is a whole other show. I've done shows on this, folks know. But on the other side of all that, of the EBS, there's going to be the introduction of the gold-backed U.S. note, like I put up there, post-EBS. And so the suppression that I was talking about just a moment ago of precious metals is all going to end. And eventually what's going to happen is we're going to see that gold and silver get pegged at much higher rates. I've heard speculation all the way up to and even beyond $10,000 an ounce for gold. Now, I'm not a financial advisor or a financial professional, but I'm a researcher. And basically, I do my research. I talk to individuals that I trust. And I come up with my own conclusions. And I give you my analysis. And that's what this is. Certainly, folks have to do their own research. Believe me. Don't just take my word for it. But you know, when you read the tea leaves, you can really see where this is headed. It's not that difficult to figure out. And this is why I'm continually urging my audience to transfer their wealth before all of this happens. I mean, yes, is the QFS going to improve everybody's lives? Absolutely. Do I think there's going to be a debt jubilee? Absolutely. Do I think that all of us are going to be made whole ultimately? Yes, that's the whole point. However, I also believe that there are a lot of unanswered questions. We don't know exactly what form this is going to take, and we do know the direction that the world is headed. We do know that it's going gold back. So seeing that, knowing that, and then seeing that and seeing your own assets sitting in the stock market tied to the dollar, I think is just insane. I think it's much smarter to transfer your 401k, your IRA to roll it over into precious metal accounts. Historically, gold and silver have always been a safe harbor. So why not safeguard yourself against this fiat collapse? And like I just talked about a moment ago, gold and silver being pegged at much higher rates, you put yourself in a position to capitalize. 
on the transition into this new system. So I think that really is a no-brainer. And so that's, in essence, what I wanted to break down from a financial standpoint. Now, let's talk a little bit about what's happening in the world geopolitically. Now, I mentioned a moment ago the role of Iran. And I've talked about this on recent episodes. You, you remember that the last time I had Jim Willie on, he was he 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 refers to Iran as Persia, and for good reason. But he was referring to them as a wild card in in the sense of you know whatever direction that Iran or Persia goes could in many ways force the hand of other nations if they decided to actively get involved and declare war on Israel. Now we know that Hezbollah is Iranian. They're backed by Iran. And the chief, uh, Hassan Nasrallah, that's his name, he broke his silence yesterday in a speech about the Israeli war. And I think a lot of people were expecting that he was going to just come out and declare open war on Israel. And he didn't. Of course, he, you know, he had a whole bunch of inflammatory language. He called it a holy war. He referred to it as a holy war. I think a lot of people were expecting at that moment that he was just going to come out and and declare war and officially, you know, announce their involvement. And there was this massive crowd in Beirut. I actually posted some uh, some shots of that. Unfortunately, I'm having a difficult time getting my telegram to load on the on the computer here. I keep trying to get it loading, but it's uh, just it won't connect for whatever reason. So I just got to kind of glance down at my phone here. But he didn't come out and announce that Hezbollah was just going to actively go to war with Israel. He showed restraint, almost as if like he's not taking the bait. Sure, he's got to get out there and he's got to give the people, he's got to throw them some raw meat and all of these things. But I do believe that this is an indication that Iran is a part of this alliance. And they have agreed to certain terms. I mean, we've talked about how there have to be kinetic battles. There have there they're going to be regional kinetic there's going to be regional kinetic fighting. There's no way around that. But the idea of a nuclear conflagration or let's just say a, a worldwide conflagration into war where we saw like in World War 1 and World War 2 where in essence the entire world has to take sides. The agreement was made between the major world powers between the United States, Russia, China, I believe Iran and India and Saudi Arabia and other a whole bunch of other nations, North Korea. That going down this road was ultimately going to result in mutually assured destruction. There's just no way around it. Now, obviously, that's the way that the cabal had always engineered their entire strategy. And the, the cabal was hoping that they could keep the world compartmentalized. They were hoping that they could manipulate the natural divisions that, they, that they've always manipulated in order to get the people all riled up and to get us to just want to march into war. That's what they've been able to do historically. But it's very interesting that so far, all we've really seen out of Hezbollah, now they've been involved in some skirmishes, I understand that, but Despite all of their threats and despite all of their saber rattling, it's basically a lot of people are calling it a hot air speech where he didn't officially declare war on Israel. He called for a ceasefire. He called for the ability to get you know Hamas resupplied and all of these things. But 
As I indicated on Telegram, this is clear evidence that Iran is not taking the bait, that they're not going to just simply dive in to this trap that the deep state is set. They know the playbook. So let's talk a little bit about some of the interesting intel that Q the Stormwriter put out. Folks know that I really love Q the Stormwriter. And he talked about how behind the scenes, Iran, the patriots within Iran, the white hats within Iran, want to use this escalation to this precipice of destruction, which we believe is going to bring the world to the point where it looks like we're about to slip into world war. They're going to use that as an opportunity to clean house inside of their own government. You have to understand the divisions within the military don't just exist here in the United States. They don't just exist within Israel. They don't just exist within Russia or China. But we're also talking about Iran. This is a worldwide military alliance. And that means that all of these different militaries all around the world, I forgot the exact number, is like 170 or something. They all have white hats inside of their military in very high places. And just like within the United States, we've got the white hats in Cheyenne Mountain. And they are ultimately safeguarding the biggest guns, the biggest weapons. They're the reason that the deep state has not been able to pull off what they had hoped to pull off is because they're being held back by the White Hats inside of Cheyenne Mountain. The same is true all over the world. It's true in Israel. And quite frankly, folks, I think that the best possible solution to what's happening in Israel right now, the deep state trying to play both sides against the other, to try to escalate this war, to basically get their get out of jail free card. The very best solution in Israel and really all other nations across the world is to have an internal coup. And we certainly know that there are massive portions of the IDF that are loyal to the Israeli people. And let's not forget that 86%, according to that poll of the Jerusalem Post, 86% of the people believe that this was an inside job. That Netanyahu and all of his minions and his regime ordered a stand down. And we have a whole litany of evidence to support that. Not the least of which is common sense. Because we know not a grain of rice is going to get past the Israeli border undetected much less a massive army. So the Israeli people understand that. The Iranian people understand that. And by the way, as far as Israel is concerned, Benjamin Fulford put out some very interesting intel as well. I'm going to actually read some of this. I was hoping to bring it up on the screen, talking about what's happening in Israel. He says that, let's see, where do I want to pick it up here? He says, the other thing that's going on is that White Hat Special Forces are fighting a fierce war in the network of tunnels underneath Israel and the Gaza Strip. It's only a matter of time before they get to the person many say is the head of the snake. Yeah, most of Israel and <laughs> far beyond Israel as well, ben Benjamin Netanyahu. However, the real Netanyahu is still around, I agree, and hiding deep underground. He's being hunted down by anti-satanic Israeli and U.S. special forces, and he's getting this from his sources inside the Pentagon, and he has sources at Mossad as well. 
And then it goes on to say, the rabbit hole in Israel apparently runs very deep. And then he gives a, a quote from a geomorphologist and a geologist, guy by the name of Joel Roskin says, clear records of tunneling operations extend back more than 4,000 years. Assyrian carvings show engineering units belonging to Sargon of Akkad, who reigned between 2334 and 2279 BCE. And then it goes on to say, Professor Roskin says the area is home to, quote, complex multi-story underground caverns and tunnels with rooms, halls, and warehouses, end quote. And then Benjamin says that MI6 reports fierce fighting going on right now in these complexes. There are certainly many credible reports of underground bases being taken out around the world. And then, of course, he goes on to talk about all the different uh, telltale signatures <clears throat> having to do with the earthquakes and the, the wave patterns after the explosions and so forth that we've talked about. And so the Satanists are being removed. They're being removed primarily beneath the surface. And all of this is building up toward what we know is ultimately going to happen and play out on the surface for all the world to see, in essence, to bring everybody up to speed in terms of what's been going on. Now, in terms of China, he also pointed out some very interesting information. He said, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a major purge going on in China that's slipping under most people's radars. Chinese intelligence sources say very many top leaders were killed at a hotel during and after the 20th National Congress of the Chinese Communist Party that ended on October 22nd. So this is very recent. Most notably, Li, I'm just going to say Li K because I can't pronounce the last name, a member of the Standing Committee of the Political Bureau of Communist Party of China, Central Committees and former premier was killed. So this is a high level individual who was taken out. Now, cue the storm writer. He was the one who shared these wires by Ben Fulford, and then he offered his his uh, take on this as well, or I guess you could say his intel, which I respect and certainly find that more often than not is pretty spot on. Now, he said behind the scenes, the CCP is inside collapse and that Xi is planting the grounds for his successors. This is consistent with some of his other posts that ultimately the Xi was going to disappear and there's going to be a new leader that would emerge same same way in Russia that Putin there there's going to there's an exit strategy for Putin as well. Now he says that uh the real US military leader Trump of course Russian military and Chinese military all made a pact in 2017. This is what I was referring to earlier that no nuclear weapons or anything worse than a nuclear weapon and certainly there are like I talked about on a recent show they have weapons they're, con they're in control of in Cheyenne Mountain that make nukes look like firecrackers, folks. And then, of course, there's also the whole other level that I think most folks understand that the alliance with non-terrestrial help have been able to ultimately neutralize most of the nuclear weapons that were known to be in existence. And the ones that they had to track down, the, the alliance has been doing that over these past several years to the point where the nuclear threat has essentially been taken off the table, is my understanding. But anyway, back to the cue the storm writer intel here. He said that um, that Trump, Putin, and Xi all made a pact in 2017 that, and I think it was probably earlier than this, but we'll just leave it at that, 
that no nuclear weapons were going to be used inside the storm. And that any depiction of a nuclear weapon that we see, a massive explosion, and he actually says any massive explosion in 2024. So it looks like he's indicating that this, this main event, this nuclear scare, precipice of destruction is going to occur next year. And I happen to agree with that. And I'll perhaps offer a couple thoughts as to why. Well, let me just say this, because I may not come back to it. I may forget. In essence, folks, a lot of things still have to play out. I'll just keep it very simple. This whole process has all been about bringing the people up to speed, gradually red-pilling the public, gradually bringing us through this process, leading us up to this precipice of destruction so that this would never, ever, ever happen again. This gets so deeply ingrained in our DNA that it never, that genetic memory gets passed on. And we never let our guard down again. Now, of course, that's that's just one aspect of this. But thinking about what this entire process has been like and what we've had to live through and the reasons that we've been talking about on virtually every episode, not just of my show, but you know, of, of all the countless podcasters out there are, are basically uh, in agreement that it had to be this way. In order for Trump's executive orders, all of the legal constructs that he put in place in his first term, in order for that to bear fruit, we had to go through this long process. And now we see that Trump is going to be taking all of that military sting evidence and he's going to be submitting it at his trial. And this is going to be live streamed. Now, this isn't until March. Do I think that we're going to see the EBS prior to that? No, I don't. A lot of people do. And certainly, do I want to see the EBS prior to that? You bet. Absolutely. Tomorrow's the 5th of November, right? V for Vendetta. We've also heard that it's very likely, given the nature of the situation and how it, it would play out, that the EBS would occur on a Sunday. Tomorrow just happens to be Sunday. So do I do I want to believe that? And do I recognize that it's a possibility? Absolutely. But I also believe that we haven't seen these situations fully mature to the level that they need to, to get us to that precipice of destruction. I think we have to have a black swan event before the EBS. I think we have to see the nuclear standoff before we get to the EBS. I think we have to see Trump's trial get live streamed and all of this information, military information, evidence, be live streamed to the public for the entire world to see so then we could also see justice denied yet again. The whole goal, folks, is to get, I don't want to really get into percentages, but you know, you've heard 80%, 80 plus percent of the people behind the military stepping forward overtly and taking control of the government for a temporary period of time, for an interim period, before everything ultimately gets sorted out. But there are, there are key things. The point is, is there are key things that need to happen first. And I just don't think we're there yet. So anyway, back to Q, the storm writer here. He said that any massive explosion in 2024 will be half CGI and tons of regular explosives. And we know how easy it is for them to do that. But no nukes will be used in the real scare event. And then he goes on from there and he talks a little bit about Iran. He says that people need to understand that back channels between Cheyenne Mountain, Russia and China have been in place for a very long time. And there's a pact to expose the CIA and not just the CIA, but all the three letter agencies. 
which will lead to the exposure of the true war machine, the military industrial complex, the system of the Rockefellers, the system of the Rothschilds, and all of their minions, all of the three-letter agencies that function to protect them and insulate them. Now, here's the part about Iran. He said, behind the scenes, Iran has been working with the CIA for decades, and the CIA is working with Israel slash Mossad, and they created Hamas. Well, of course they did. Absolutely. So he says that Iran, and we know the reasons why, to basically to derail Palestinian statehood and to make sure that there's constant war in the Middle East to set the stage for World War III, their whole Armageddon plan. Now, here's the part. He says, Iran white hats want to use the near-death nuclear events and war to clean their governments. And also the CIA, Mossad, MI6, their goons, and all of the, all of the black hats. So why am I highlighting all this information? Why is it so important to understand everything that we've been discussing as far as geopolitical events? Well, everything that we're witnessing play out right now is pantomime. We're supposed to believe that the world is headed in this direction, that we're still inside the same old paradigm that one nation's being pitted against another nation and all of the allies of these nations are going to come together and there's going to be a big war. And that's the way it's always been. And that's the way it's supposed to look optically. But we can also see that there's a lot of restraint going on right now in the same way that Russia has resisted taking the bait. After all the drone strikes on their own territory into expanding the war beyond just Ukraine, we're also going to see, I think, the same patterns play out as Israel continues to escalate and to provoke Iran and all of the other countries, Egypt, Syria, and the whole host of neighboring countries. They're going to continue to provoke them and to try to start a fight and to escalate this into a wider conflict. That's the whole game plan. And I think that we're going to see a lot of saber rattling. Like I said, we are going to see skirmishes. We are going to see some exchanges. But like we talked about, it's key to understand a pact was made. This is the central part of the alliance. To let the deep state play their hand, to try to move in this direction, but they're not going to get where they want to get. It's not going to result in the same end game, in the same mass destruction that they had hoped for. Because white hats are in control in all of the key places, all of the key choke points, levers of power. You don't go to war unless you've already won. So there's an awful lot going on in the world, folks. And I am super excited about where we happen to be right now. Trump is delivering some very interesting comms talking about how we're going to have a November event that's going to be the biggest in our history. Now, could he be talking about November of 2024? That's what he wants everybody to think. That's how Trump speaks in camo. Uh, or is he talking about something, some major false flag that's going to occur this November? We don't really know, folks, but certainly it's a very exciting time. We know that the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, was sworn in as the 45th Speaker of the House. And very interestingly, the last Speaker of the House was Nancy Pelosi, and she was the 52nd. And there are videos breaking this down. But in essence, what this really means is yet another indication that we're going back to the republic that was ultimately subverted after the Organic Act of 1871 when the U.S. became a corporation. We're going back to the republic. 
How could it possibly be that we have the 45th Speaker of the House being sworn in after the 52nd? And if you go back and you look at the history, like I said, there's a really clear message that's being sent there. So this is really exciting, folks. This is a fascinating, fascinating time to be alive. I know that all of us are tired and we're weary, but ultimately, folks, we are in the final phases right now. We are in the literal last year of this operation. Now, could it end in 2023? I hope and pray, folks, that it will. I hope that I'm wrong and that it doesn't go into 2024. I'm, hope Q, I'm hoping Q the storm rider is wrong. I'm hoping that a lot of sources out there that I trust and believe in that we're all wrong and the EBS is going to be tomorrow on November 5th. But one way or another, we are closing in on the final phases and it's super exciting. So hopefully you folks enjoyed this podcast. Please let me know in the comments. Make sure you click on those links. I mentioned Patriot Underground Gold. Actually, I don't think I mentioned it by name, but I certainly mentioned the whole idea of putting your assets or rolling over your, your retirement funds into gold and silver. You can do that at Patriot Underground Gold or PatriotUndergroundSilver.com. Both links are in the description. I work with Gold Co. They're the best in the business by far. Do your own research, folks. I've had so many people already make that transition. And I've gotten nothing but positive feedback. People are really, really excited about the decision. They were really impressed by how professional this company was, how simple the process was. And ultimately, they're in a great position, folks. So I think it's a really good decision to click on those links and explore that option. I also want to mention my other affiliates, grassfedinusa.com slash Patriot Underground and switch-stores.com slash Patriot Underground. This is where you can go to get the best grass-fed beef, no hormones, no mRNA injections, no magnets sticking to it, no antibiotics, just nothing but pure delicious beef, farm to table, shipped directly to your door. This is how we cut out the middleman, folks. This is how we cut out the cabal role in getting the products that we need, whether it be food or whether it be our household and our personal products. This is how we cut them out of the equation, avoid the big box conglomerates, we avoid the beef monopoly that's been set up by the cabal. We circumvent all of this. We create a new economy, a parallel economy. That's exactly what we need to be doing. And that's why I'm bringing you these opportunities. And I'm 100% comfortable in offering them to you, my beloved audience. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for all of your support. Please check out PatriotUndergroundShop.com. That's my merch store. You can pick up a hat. You can pick up a T-shirt, a hoodie. Uh, beer mug. I got stickers on there, coffee mugs, a lot of really cool items, very affordably priced. Thank you to everybody out there who's made a purchase. So I'll be back once again tomorrow with SG Anon at five o'clock Eastern. We're going to go live. So I'm going to be posting that on my Telegram. Hopefully all of you can tune in for what's going to be a great conversation, I'm sure. Thank you, everybody, for listening. God bless and Godspeed. Patriot out.